Welcome to the Rocky Valley Podcast. This is Pastor Jason Moe. We're glad you stopped in to have a listen, and we hope that this blesses you in some way. This evening, uh, we'll be in the book of Galatians, and we're going to, um, we're actually going to spend a few weeks in the book of Galatians. Um, There is really just so much to unpack in the book of Galatians. We're not going to go necessarily verse by verse and preach through the entire book on Sunday evenings because it would probably take four months uh, when I started plotting out if we went every single subject to the book of Galatians. And uh, my ADD kicks in before I handle four straight months in the same book of the Bible. So we're going to... uh, Going to take a small chunk now and then do something else for a little while and come back and take another small chunk from the book of Galatians. But this evening we're going to start this short series of messages. And the book of Galatians has been called the Charter of Freedom by many theologians through the years. Uh, It was this letter from Paul to the churches in Galatia in which Martin Luther was studying when he began to pen his 95 Thesis that would spark the reformation of the church. And so uh, he was really moved to the place to begin writing down these things about the problems uh, with the early church, and he was moved to it studying in this letter mainly, the letter that, that Paul wrote to the churches at Galatia. He would go on to say, Luther would, that this epistle to the Galatians was an epistle to me, and he loved it so much that he said, its name is Catherine. Now, if you knew anything about Luther, you would know that Catherine was his wife's name. And so what he said when he said this letter, I name it Catherine, he was saying, it's so important to me, and it's been so important to me that it's like I'm married to it. I live my life to honor it. I'm so just truly and intrinsically uh, deeply rooted in it. And it was the freedom and the grace that is spoken of in the book of Galatians that was so important to him. And so why... Why was it so important? Well, any of you that are, that are in our Wednesday night class, uh, you already know some of this, and some of the rest of you will go through the lesson in some of the other classes in the coming months. But the gist of it, if you knew where the church had gotten to at this point, is there wasn't a lot of grace given in the church at this point. Uh, there was a lot of tradition, and there was a lot of legalism, and there was a lot of if you do this, then we'll give you this kind of mentality. But, but nowhere did they preach the grace of Jesus. Nowhere did they say that it's by the grace of Jesus that you're saved, by the grace of Jesus that you're forgiven. They said things like, if you put money in the offering plate, then you can save the lives of your relatives and things of that nature. And so they held people under an oppression. And so as someone who was involved in that would read this letter to the people in Galatia, they would have their eyes open and he would go, oh no, this stuff that we're doing, it's all wrong. This, this path that we're taking, it's all wrong. We're, we're holding people to a standard of our own instead of the biblical standard, which is grace. And so, as Paul penned this letter to the church in Galatia, we could take some lessons from it as well because I fear that 
If we don't remind ourselves of the grace of Jesus and the sufficiency of the grace of Jesus and the fact that without the grace of Jesus, we're nothing. If we don't remind ourselves of that, then we tend to get legalistic like the church in Galatia had gotten when the people and the false teachers had come. And we start to say, you need, you need to live up to my standard. You need to follow up to my expectation of what you should be. You need to be what I think you should be instead of showing the grace that Jesus has shown to all of us. And so it's important that we study that. In our culture today, it seems that everyone seems to be on what I would call a freedom kick. Right? We hear uh, freedom of religion, freedom in marriage, freedom in which bathroom they use, freedom in the market and the economy, free morality, free this, free that. Everybody has this free thought process. But at the end of the day, the, the freedom that everybody is talking about isn't freedom at all. Really, it's just bondage to something else. And so Galatians is going to show us what true freedom is. For true freedom that comes from Christ alone. What the scripture says, it says, If the Son makes you free, then you are free indeed. Jesus said it when he said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you. I don't know that you meant that. Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Free. Truly free. And so we're going to see in this study that the exposition of the truth, where freedom is really found, is that Jesus is the truth. And so Jesus is where freedom is found. That is where we're truly set free is in a knowledge of Jesus. And so Paul's going to address it in two ways. First, that in order to be free, you first have to be saved. So he's going to talk to the ones in Galatia who are not saved. He's going to say, if you want to experience freedom, you've got to come to a knowledge of Jesus Christ because freedom cannot be apart from Christ. And then he's going to talk to the ones who have already accepted Christ and say, you cannot enjoy your freedom. You cannot enjoy your salvation unless... You live in the freedom of Christ and stop trying to do all these things to add to it. Now, as we study this letter, keep in mind, this isn't Paul's, hey guys, what's going on type of letter that he writes to the church in Galatia. He, he's not happy as he pens this letter. In fact, Galatians has something that is uh, different than any other letter that Paul would pen to any other of the churches it's the only one in which he does not give a commendation to the people he's writing. You know, you, Paul usually starts with something like, uh, Paul, a bondservant of Jesus, and Timothy, I thank God when I remember you, uh, or I praise God for the news I hear from you. Um, it even gives a commendation to the church in Corinth. And we know that the church in Corinth, we say, compares a lot with America today and its depravity and its immorality and the way that it was sinning. And so he even gives them a commendation and talks about the good things he's doing. But here, as he writes to the church in Galatia, Paul doesn't give them a commendation. Instead, he's going to dive right in to telling them what they're doing wrong because it's that important. What they're doing wrong is such a big deal. So please stand this evening. As we honor the reading of God's holy word for the book of Galatians, and we will be in the first five verses of the book of Galatians this evening. Excuse me, it's not morning anymore, is it? Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead, and all the brethren who are with me to the churches of Galatia. 
Grace to you, peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father God, Lord, we just ask this evening that you would free our minds, Lord, and free our hearts to worship you fully by the study of your word, Lord Jesus. God, give us a greater understanding of what it means to be free indeed, Lord. To be free in you, Christ. And help us to share that message with others, Lord Jesus. God, you have your way and your will with the remainder of our time together. And all of God's people said, amen. You may be seated. So as we get going this evening, and I'll go ahead and tell you, this is going to be more of an introduction type evening tonight. It's going to be more of an introduction type evening, but quickly so that we make sure we're in the right place in our mind. Because I think it's important as you study through a book of the Bible together, as you begin to study through topics in that book, that you contextually always understand where you're at. That you always are able to to kind of keep your mind as you build on the story. And so quickly as we get going this evening, Paul had planted the churches in Galatia when he went on his first missionary journey with Barnabas. So this is where he first comes in contact with people. In Acts, when you study in the book of Acts and you see Paul in any of the churches or any of the towns called Derbe, Lystra, Iconium, or Antioch of Pisidia. So anytime you see Paul in those four places, these are the churches in the region called Galatia. So these are the places that he's writing. When he writes to the Galatians, he's writing to the region, to all four of these churches. And so he went through and he established the churches and then he went back through on his way back and he strengthened the churches. It said he went back and he hung out with them some more because he felt like they needed to be strengthened, they needed to be lifted up. And then on his second missionary journey, Paul with Silas goes back through again to again strengthen the saints that are left in the region of Galatia. My point in telling you this is that Paul has put a tremendous amount of effort and love and respect and devotion into these people in Galatia. So when Paul came through, several times he came through, and it's because he had such a deep admiration for him and a deep love for him. He said, I I just can't keep myself out of Galatia, essentially. He said, Barnabas, we need to go back through. Silas, as we go on our journey, we need to make sure we go through Galatia. I need to see the saints in Derby. I need to see the saints in Lystra. I need to, to tell them one more time about the grace of Jesus. I need to make sure that they understand what they're doing. I need to make sure that they're doing this church thing the right way. I need to make sure that they're where they need to be. In fact, in Acts 13 and 14, if you were to study his time there, you'd find that Paul is cast out and stoned from this area and left for dead. The people that stoned him believed him to be dead. And so he risked death ministering to the people in Galatia. He loved them. And so imagine the deep love that Paul must have felt for them when he starts to get the news that after he's left, false prophets have come in and begin to spread a gospel contrary to the one that he had sowed while he was in the area. Paul had preached grace. The grace of Jesus is sufficient for the forgiveness of sins. And the false teachers, the Judaizers they were called, the Pharisees of the day had come back through and said the grace of Jesus is not enough. You have to do this and that and you have to do this. You have to follow our standards. You have to live the way we tell you to live in order to be saved. And so Paul was deeply troubled by the news that he heard. Parents in the house, you'll understand what I'm saying. 
Because at some point in time in every parent's life, no matter how old your children, at some point in time, they've gone off to Sunday school class or school or gone off to something, and you've gotten wind that despite the way that you've taught them, they didn't act to the standard that they were supposed to act. So you know that feeling, don't you? First off, it's a little bit of a kick in the pride pants. You say, I thought my kids were better than that. And then it's a little bit of a kick in the parent pants. You say, I guess I didn't teach them well enough. And then it's a little bit of a correction. I don't know how it works in your house, but in my house, it starts with a conversation. It ends with a hug, but in the middle, there's a whipping. And so Paul, as he writes to the church in Galatia, is starting with a conversation. He's going to end with a hug, but in the middle, there's a whipping. I can't believe that you're acting the way that you're acting after I'm gone. I can't believe that somebody else has come through and started sowing this gospel presentation and you've somehow bought into it. What's the matter with you? So we're going to look at three things very quickly this evening in these first five verses. First we're going to see is the authority that he spoke with. Where does he start? He says, Paul, an apostle. He starts very simply. Now I think it's pretty cool. How many of you have written a letter recently and mailed it to someone? So we have this habit now of pinning out our letter and then at the end we say who we are, don't we? Well, Paul didn't do that. And this time they just put it right there at the beginning. This is from Paul, an apostle. He went ahead and established who he was right at the beginning. And he did this because he's showing the authority by which he taught. He's trying to show them, I had the authority to come through from Christ and teach you the things that I taught you. And the reason he does this he says, my, my authority is not from men, it's through Jesus. It's, it has nothing to do with the church in Jerusalem. It's from Jesus. It's from God, through Jesus. It's not from men. I am an apostle of Jesus Christ. You see, there were people coming along. These Judaizers were coming along. And what they were saying is the same thing that people will say today. Uh, the best way to discount someone's message is to discount the messenger, right? So we see it in politics all the time. I always hear, well, why, boy, I can't stand it. Why do the politicians always tear each other apart? Well, their goal is not just to tear the other person apart. Their goal goes all the way back to the biblical times. If I can somehow discount his credibility, then now his message doesn't matter. And so as the people would come through after Paul would teach, they would come in and they would go, listen, you don't need to listen to the message of Paul. Who is Paul anyway? What do you do and listen to Paul? He didn't walk with Jesus like the apostles that we listen to their doctrine. He wasn't even there when Jesus died. Paul, what are you doing listening to Paul? He's no apostle. He, he's no authority. He has no authority from Christ. Paul, you're listening to Paul. Paul came to kill Christians. And now you're going to listen to the things he say and say that it's better than what the church's message is? You're going to say the message of this guy is better than what the church in Jerusalem says. How could you listen to Paul? They would say things like, you've you got to be circumcised to be saved. Because they were so consumed with this outward. They, they said, listen, the, the covenants of God given to Moses were given to the Jewish people. And if, if, if you think you're going to follow Jesus, you've got to become a Jew first. And to become a Jew, you've got to be circumcised. But Paul had just went through. Paul had just went through and preached 
don't worry about your circumcision. God don't care about that. God's not worried about the things that you could do to your flesh. God is worried about what's going on in your heart. He said the grace of Jesus doesn't care what you can add to it. You don't need to add anything to it. Jesus is enough. And so now all of a sudden there's confusion. But the thing about it is, is still to this day, it plays through people. People can be fickle. They kind of like to grab on to that new message. And so now the Judaizers come through and they're saying this about Paul and people are going, well... It would be easier if I could do something so that I could earn my salvation because then I could always go back and say, well, it was when I was willing to cut my flesh. That's, that's how God saved me. They always want to add something to it because it seems like it just makes sense because we want to make everything earthly. But Paul had said, no, 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 the grace of Jesus is sufficient. Now, later on, the Jerusalem church would, would meet and say that the, the Gentiles didn't have to be circumcised. But they haven't had that meeting yet. So Paul's been preaching the grace of Jesus before the church gave him permission to is what's happened. And so there's some confusion going on. But Paul immediately in his letter says, Paul, an apostle, not from man, but from Jesus. Not, not by man's authority, but by the calling of God on my life. He said, essentially, he knows that they've been through and said... Paul hasn't even been commended by the church and he doesn't have the authority to preach. And what Paul is saying is, I don't get my commendation from the church. No man can give me the authority to preach. My authority comes from Jesus. He says, I know they're saying that nobody gave me the authority. But I'm here to tell you that the highest authority called me to this ministry. And I don't care if the church likes it or not. It's what he said. I, I don't really care what they say. Jesus is the one that told me to preach. They didn't call me to preach, and they sure can't fire me from preaching. It's what Paul is saying. They, they don't sustain me, and they sure as heck can't make me shut up. I am preaching to you because Jesus called me to preach to you. God sent his son Jesus to Paul on the road to Damascus. Now, we can discuss... That conversion, but in my personal opinion, Paul was blinded. The scales were over his eyes because he saw the glory of Jesus face to face. And anyone that's, that started to see the glory can't look upon it, right? The glory of God is so amazing that, that you had to look through burning bushes, right? We can't look straight on his glory. It's so magnificent we can't see it. And I believe that's why the scales were on Paul's eyes and he was blinded. was because the glory of God was so great as he was face to face with the Savior. And so he says... On the Damascus Road, that person on the Damascus Road that saved me is who gave me my authority. It's from Jesus. It's from God through Jesus. He says, they're not going to like me because I preach Jesus and they're false teachers. And furthermore, Galatians, I don't want them to like me. Because if they liked me, that means I was preaching a false gospel just like they were. And I'm not going to do that. I'm going to tell you the truth. You know, I think we would be well worth our efforts if we would say, you know what, I'm perfectly fine if you don't like me, but I'm going to preach Jesus anyway. You know what, I'm okay if you don't think I'm saying the right thing as long as I'm telling you the truth from Scripture. You can like me if you want. You can not like me if you don't want. 
But you cannot argue that my message doesn't come straight from the Bible. And if we would adopt that attitude as Christians, because I think so many times we say, well, I, yeah, I just really, you know, if I offend somebody, I may not have an opportunity to share the gospel with them later. Well, if you ain't going to share the gospel anyway, why does it matter if you offend them? Because if you love them, if you care about them, You'll share the gospel regardless of what the punishment may be. Regardless if you think that somebody's going to come along and say, well, what are you doing listening to old Jacob? He can't even spell astute. He said, but I can spell Jesus. I don't got to be able to spell astute. I don't get my authority from my vocabulary. I get my authority from Jesus. And I know you could spell astute. I know you could. I'm not going to make you do it in case you can't, but I think you could. Next thing we see in verses 3 and 4. First we see the authority in which he was preaching. Next we see the message that Paul was delivering. Grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. Paul, everywhere he went, quite simply preached this message. Grace. Very simple message that Paul preached. Paul said, you can't, Christ did, will you accept it? That was his message everywhere he went. If you want to thumb back through the book of Acts and see the messages that Paul preached, you'll find quite often that it was that message. You can't, Christ did, will you accept it? He opens up and he says, my position didn't save me. I was born a Pharisee. And so there was nothing about my position that saved me. Paul, better than most, understood I was on the road to Damascus to kill Christians. That's what I was heading to do. And so there was nothing inside of Paul that said, hey, let's use him to be the greatest missionary that's ever been born. There was nothing about Paul that said, hey, here's the guy that's going to write over half of the New Testament of the Holy Word of God. Nothing about him said, hey, this is the one that we should use to spread the gospel of Jesus in Asia and in Galatia. But God, by his grace, looked down upon Paul, who was Saul, and said, that one, that's my man. And he saved him. And Paul, the reason that I think Paul was such a mighty man of God is that Paul never forgot the grace of Jesus in his life. Paul, inside of anything that happened to him in his life, never forgot that Jesus Christ alone saved me. It was not of myself. We would do well to spend a little time remembering what Paul remembered so that we could preach the message that Paul preached. Because the thing is, when we remember what Paul remembered, that I didn't deserve this, but Jesus gave it to me anyway. Now all of a sudden, we don't positionally feel like we deserve it any more than anybody else. We feel like we didn't deserve it, but we got it anyway, and you can have it too. And so Paul was preaching this message. He says, grace to you and peace from God. In other words, peace only comes when God saves you. These false teachers, they were, they were coming in and they were preaching 
tradition and ritual and they were doing they were saying the only way you can get saved is if you do this and this and this and this. The only way you can find happiness is if you do this and this and this and this. The only way you can eat dinner is if you wash your hands seven times and turn your back around and wash it on the dry cloth and then wash the cloth and then dry it on the next one. If you read through the first few books of the Old Testament, get out of Genesis, get out of the Exodus, get into the Levitical law, you'll find they had some funky things that they did. Cut your hair 11 times on Saturday and don't touch it on Sunday, wash it on Monday, and then on Tuesday you can eat dinner. <laughs> Not really, but I'm saying it's, it's like that. And so here they are coming back through town and they're pushing this, this Judaism again. Hey, listen, you, you, can't, you can't live under the law of grace. You've got to do this and this and this and this and this. You can't eat that today. You can't eat that ever. You can only eat that if you clean it a certain way. And so they had that Pharisaic process of cleansing ourselves, of somehow making ourselves holy in order to be saved. And here's Paul saying, you can't earn it anyway. You can't be saved by anything you do. And so there's a big gap in those two teachings, isn't there? On one hand, you've got Jesus plus nothing. And on the other hand, you've got Self, no need for Jesus, right? Those are huge differences in teachings. And so Paul pins this letter, and I think as he pins it, he's somewhat hurt. And he's probably somewhat confused. I'm somewhat confused about why anybody would want to fall back under the letter of the law instead of being under the law of grace. It doesn't make any sense to me. But as Paul pins this letter, I think he's sitting there and he's thinking to himself, How? Does somebody come back in and peddle some gospel that is this complicated and people buy into it? How in the world are you buying into this mess in this way, you bunch of blockheads? Paul pins this letter and he's hurt, but he's also hurt for their lives because he doesn't want them living under this way anymore. You know, you just can't add anything to Jesus. And we all smile and we say, absolutely, preacher. But do you really live your life that way that you know that there's nothing that you could have ever done? Nothing that you could have ever done made you worthy of Jesus. There's nothing you can add to Jesus to get your way there. And yet we run into people all the time that are trying to fix themselves up enough to get to Christ. They're trying to do enough to be able to come to Christ. I, I can't get saved until I fix this. I can't, well, I, just, I can't get baptized until I've done this. I can't do this until I've done that. And Paul said, you can't fix yourself. Imagine the people of that time as he went back and he preached grace and they said, but I can't get saved until I've been circumcised. Imagine what they felt when Paul said, you don't have to be circumcised. That doesn't mean anything. You can if you want to. But it doesn't make you saved. What makes you saved is a relationship with Jesus Christ. See, Paul wasn't mad at the other preachers that had come to town. He was upset at the people who knew the truth that were not willing to embrace the truth and the joy that comes from salvation. So we see the authority he spoke with, the message that he was speaking. Look quickly at the motive for his teaching. He said, to whom... Be glory forever and ever. Amen. Quite simply, Paul is saying, 
the reason that I preach and the reason that I care is because it glorifies God when his people respond to grace. God gets the glory. Who gets the glory when we say, if somebody came to this church and they came forward and they said, Brother Jason, I wish to be saved. And I stood up here and I said, well, what I'm going to need you to do is I'm going to need you to write letters of apologies to all the people that you've hurt. And I'm going to need you to slide out the front door and I'm going to need you to walk next door and feed my dog a biscuit. And then I'm going to need you to dig a ditch because we need a hole dug in the back. And once you've done that, you've done enough to show me that you're really sorry. Come back in and I'll show you Jesus. Who would really be getting the glory for that person getting saved? Well, it would be me, wouldn't it? Because I made the conditions. I decided what they needed to do. I gave them what they had to happen to get saved. So I get the glory for that. That would be my glory. But when somebody comes forward and says, Brother Jason, I want to get saved, I said, all you got to do is, is tell Jesus you're a sinner and you want to accept his forgiveness. <clears throat> Who gets the glory for that? Jesus. To God be the glory. See, that's why we preach grace. That's why it's so important because we are here to glorify him. That's why we say only by the grace of God are we saved. And only by the grace of God can anybody be saved. Because it is to him be the glory for the great things he has done. You take away or add anything to that and you just taint the majesty of Jesus. You somehow add something to that blessed blood of Jesus when you try to do that. This Charter of Freedom is an amazing letter. We'll see some great awesome truths as we dive into this book. But this evening, I want you to start by asking yourselves this question. Are you living in the freedom of Jesus this evening? I didn't ask you if you're saved. Are you living in the freedom of Jesus? Now, I'm going to ask you, do you know Jesus? Because you can't live in the freedom until you know him. But if you've already accepted Jesus... Are you living in bondage still to something? Are you still a bond servant to your sin? Are you still a bond servant to, to your something that's holding you back? And if you are, would you lay it at the feet of Jesus this evening and just be free in Jesus Christ? Let us pray. Father God, Lord, we just thank you so much. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy. God, most of all, we thank you for your grace. We thank you that by your grace we are saved, Lord God. And we thank you that only by knowing you, Jesus, can we know freedom. So, God, you want us to worship you in spirit and in truth. So, God, please convict anyone in this house that's holding on to something that prevents them from worshiping you fully and freely, Lord. Give them the courage to lay that burden down at your feet and walk out of this place free indeed, Lord Jesus. And it's in your precious name that we pray, God. Amen. Thanks again for joining in. We sincerely hope that this has blessed you in some way. If you have any further questions, feel free to give us a call or check us out on the web at www.rockyvalleybaptist.org. Thank you and have a blessed day.
Thanks again for joining in. We sincerely hope that this has blessed you in some way. If you have any further questions, feel free to give us a call or check us out on the web at www.rockyvalleybaptist.org. Thank you and have a blessed day. Thanks again for joining in. We sincerely hope that this has blessed you in some way. If you have any further questions, feel free to give us a call or check us out on the web at www.rockyvalleybaptist.org. Thank you and have a blessed day. Thanks again for joining in. We sincerely hope that this has blessed you in some way. If you have any further questions, feel free to give us a call or check us out on the web at www.rockyvalleybaptist.org. Thank you and have a blessed day. Thanks again for joining in. We sincerely hope that this has blessed you in some way. If you have any further questions, feel free to give us a call or check us out on the web at www.rockyvalleybaptist.org. Thank you and have a blessed day. Thanks again for joining in. We sincerely hope that this has blessed you in some way. If you have any further questions, feel free to give us a call or check us out on the web at www.rockyvalleybaptist.org. Thank you and have a blessed day. Thanks again for joining in. We sincerely hope that this has blessed you in some way. If you have any further questions, feel free to give us a call or check us out on the web at www.rockyvalleybaptist.org.